damn, it feels good to hear that song again. Pat, we got a haiku. Let us hear it. Haiku number two, post-UNC victory, submitted again from Riley Wyan. She has cornered the haiku market. Here we go. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> stick it in, stick it in, stick it in. Hokies. And that was 575. And that's a freaking haiku. And we are fired up, baby, because we just beat UNC in six freaking overtimes. Guys, <laughs> I, I have been so excited to do this. Grayson is back in California. His voice is all healed up. He's had some tea. Paticus Finch is back. Uh, big day in the Salesforce Tower today. Billary Mitchell is back in Atlanta. Peachtree State. We're ready to go after it. Guys, let's just let's just take off here. Like Quincy Patterson took off up the middle, but we'll get to that. How did we get to Blacksburg, fellas? I'll kick it off. In the Riley Scott Mobile, shout out to him. Thank you for helping me get to Blacksburg this weekend. I don't know how else I would have done it. Took the uh, old BMW, I believe it's an X3 or something. Uh, very nice, very smooth. Um, Bluetooth enabled as well, so you got to play some tunes on the way down. Um, and made my way down. is about a six and a half hour drive. Very long, but long car rides. I pick a couple people to call. I have a playlist lined up, a couple podcasts. Um, made it down. Uh, first night, shout out to Oscar Bradburn for the hospitality and then Airbnb the rest of the way with the baseball fellas. Uh, guys, how'd you make it down? Go right on ahead, Pat. All right. So, uh, Thursday night, I, I took off Friday from work. I said, it's homecoming weekend. We got to do it big Thursday night, pull up in Manassas, Virginia, cruise America, RV rental me and six of my buddies were all about it. And I got to give them some shout outs because I know they're going to love the shout outs. Uh, so Eddie Giroux, Alex Sutton, Ryan Hartman, Danny Ficina, Dylan McDaniel, Andrew Emery, the seven of us riding down. I drove I drove on the way down uh, this big 30 foot boat. We parked it on Center Street and, uh, you know, we, we made it to Blacksburg in one piece. And surprisingly, we made it uh, we made it home in one piece as well. I know there was a, a big backup on 81 yesterday, um, but yeah, that's how I got down. Grayson, how'd you get? The, how, how the heck did you get to Blacksburg? <clears throat> I went full Nelly Furtado and uh, flew like a bird, baby. Hopped on, uh, hopped on the jet from LAX to Charlotte. Had about an hour layover in Charlotte. Now, really quickly, boys, let me tell you a little story that happened during this layover. All right, I was recognized for our podcast i'm not kidding this this happened folks i was recognized for our big podcast. la big yeah star. i i thought the first time i'd ever get recognized for anything would be in, in los angeles california i was wrong so this this woman sits down kind of like close to me and 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 she looks to be about my age and uh i kind of recognized her almost and about 20 minutes of this layover passes and all of a sudden, she comes up to me, and she kind of taps me on the shoulder, and she says, excuse me, are you Grayson Wimpish? And I said, y yes. Hi, like, hi, how are you? And she goes, I just want to say, I love your podcast. Sons of Saturday, right? And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's, that's me. That's, that's us, Pat Finn, Billy Ray Mitchell, 
So on Saturday, what, like, huh? I was so confused. I was so taken back. She said, yeah, like, uh, I'm pretty sure we have some mutual friends. I actually texted one of our mutual friends a picture of you to make sure that it was you. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, hey, you got to do what you got to do. But uh, I thought that that was just the craziest thing. She's like, oh, my gosh, you got your podcast is is so unique and so informative. And she was from South Africa. And she's like, I love hearing about all this old stuff that you guys talk about. Um, anyway, don't want to get sidetracked. So after that layover, uh, I, uh, I flew on another bird into Roanoke, landed at about 9 p.m. And uh, went straight to Tots after that. So that's, that's <laughs> how I got to Blacksburg. As you guys may not know, and as you guys, I mean you listening right now, this was the first time in the history of the friendship of Paticus Fish, Finch, Grayson Wimbish, <laughs> and Billy Ray Mitchell. We have never been in the same vicinity before. We record an awesome podcast. We love you. We love the fans and the listeners. This was the first time we have ever been in the same spot. I have hung out with Grayson once or twice outside of uh, – uh, ever and I hung out with Pat twice ever at two football games. One of which was the Georgia Notre Dame, and the other which was uh, Virginia Tech Boston College. Long way we've come since then as a football team, by the way. We'll we have that as well. Um, but this was our first time. We all got together and um, met up at Champs Sports Bar. I believe we all met up. At- no, we met up at Sharky's first. Took our f- first picture together. It was awesome. <laughs> um, but. That's not what you guys want to hear about. You want to hear about the game. So let's talk about where we watched it. Personally speaking, I got some great tickets from my friend, uh, listener of the podcast, Mr. John Yetzi. Cannot thank you enough. Excellent seats right about on the 30-yard line of the student section side, behind our bench, four rows up. And I sat with my good friend, Matt Galloway, and another good friend, Evan, former Virginia Tech recruiter, student assistant. And we took in that uh, that football game right there, sitting right Hang behind. on, Bill. Hang on, Bill. What am I missing? You got to tell the listeners, who else was sitting in your section right down from you? I almost – thank you for reminding me. So as you all know, Pat Finn, all in on the Mike Young train, which we all are. But he – Look, I look behind myself and I'm like, who, who is this man? This is not your typical uh, nice grandfather here. He's on his iPhone, possibly sending some text messages, possibly putting out some fire tweets. He's got the glasses that, dis- that, that uh, are able to pull apart from the middle with the magnet. I know those are huge with uh, 60-year-olds and up. And he's up there and I'm like, who is this guy? Oh, oh my gosh, that's Mike Young. That's Mike Young. So I'm, Mike waving, Young. I'm waving to Pat. I'm like, Pat, emergency, code level red, threat level midnight, look. And it took him I, it took him like 15 minutes to understand what I was trying to say. I was like pointing like this row right here. And he's like looking over in like the east stands in the student section. I'm like, no, he's right there. Finally <laughs> sees him, freaks out. It was awesome. Pat, where'd you watch the game? Yeah, so um... – so Bill was up four rows up from the field, um, and I was actually on the field. I had a a super fortunate opportunity. Um, had been a ambassador for the Hokie uh, Drive for Twenty Five for the Hokie Club, and um, you know was lucky enough to place in the top five there um, a couple of weeks back. And one of the prizes was field passes for a game, and my family was in town, and uh, myself, my sister 
who is uh, applying early decision to tech, my father and my mother, who are a class of 88 and 89 alumni. The four of us were down on the field uh, for all of pregame, for all of Enter Sandman. It was absolutely incredible. And then, uh, you know, we get we get to meet Andre Davis. We get to meet Joey Sly. Well, I know Joey Sly, so it wasn't like that. But uh, oh. got to meet Terrell Edmonds and uh, Luther Maddy as well. We're all down there. And it was just so cool. And I look up, and Bill is right there. And, and we're pretty much communicating the entire game back and forth, yelling as loud as we can at each other. And he's telling me about Mike Young being right there. And, you know, we're freaking out. But, yeah awesome experience shout out to the hokey club if you're listening to this podcast and you're not a member of the hokey club uh definitely suggest joining the hokey club it's only 25 dollars to join uh they're not paying me to say this i'm just saying that if you're a hokey fan you should be in the hokey club grayson tell us about your game watching experience so first off you know what now now they are paying you to say that pat because uh stick it in his back so join the hokey club you're welcome, everybody. Anyway, I watched the game from the west side, just like uh, Pat and Bill did. Section 10, I believe it was row KK, I think. I'm not sure. Regardless, I had a great view. I could see everything clearly. I, uh, I wish I was in closer proximity to you guys so I could be, you know, part of, part of your little uh, Mike, Mike Young fan club thing you had going on there. <laughs> I, I, I think that's great, though. I think that's great. Very exclusive. Guys, yeah, very, very exclusive uh, fan club there. But I, uh, I actually started watching the game from uh, the tunnel of Lane Stadium. My dad surprised my little brother and I as a birthday gift. Uh, there's like this hokey experience thing now where if you, if you can buy these experiences, and, and one of them was to walk – excuse me, walk – run out of the tunnel with the team unfortunately you didn't get to run onto the field you only got to run out of the tunnel was it worth it eh? but was it cool yes and then after that i uh, i met up with pat and my little brother and i like pat said we met andre davis uh talked to a few other guys saw terrell edmonds that was great and then hampton my little brother and i made our way to uh, our seats in in section 10 so that's that's where i watched the game uh, and it sounds like we all had great vantage points um but i i really feel left out of this little mike mike i'm not gonna lie mike young fan club i, I want to be a member of that <laughs> so before the game let's talk about um just the environment not and speaking for myself um not gonna lie and i have no problem saying this it was uh, it's my it was my first time back since Notre Dame, and um, you know I, I had seen everybody that I wanted to see. Um, I'm in Lane Stadium. Um, it was an emotional return. Like I get I get up there. Uh, I'm seeing all the students. Um, they have the uh, the former the former uh, Heidi Tidies are, are are on the field marching around, and uh, game day in Lane Stadium is like no other. They have the Osprey flyover, which was just awesome. They had like four or five Ospreys just crawl right over the stadium. That was incredible. Um, and then to top it off, uh, a little bit of a somber moment. Um, uh, special tactics officer, uh, Virginia Tech grad, had passed away a few weeks back. And um, his family was in the building. And they had a moment of silence for Sergeant Peter Crane's um, who unfortunately passed away 
uh, in a training exercise in Idaho. Um, and, um, you know, just the culmination of everything. And, uh, in that moment, uh, it was just, just a really, uh, like an emotional roller coaster. and I'm, I'm back home and, and there's that going on. And, um, you know, just, uh, Virginia tech is such a special place. And, uh, we'll get into this a little bit later when we talk about being back in Blacksburg as a whole, but I mean, seriously, Virginia tech does game day, um, incredibly well. And, uh, and damn, it's better when we win, when we win and everybody shows up. So, uh, fellas, how did you like all the pregame festivities? Yeah, pregame was awesome. Uh, I was just excited to be there. Maroon Effect looked pretty awesome. It was just, it was just pretty special. The uh, Peter Cranes thing was, you know, the, I'm really glad they did the moment of silence. It was, you know, very, um, very emotional, emotional in there. Um, but then, you know, it was like, all right, we're playing some football, Tech Triumph, let's get it going. Um, and then the Johnny Cash song comes on, and I'm just like, oh, man. Because they, really, like, they really do up the bass very nicely with the Johnny Cash. And it just gets everyone so hype, and then, you know, let's go Hokies. And then before you know it, the first few uh, chords of Enter Sandman come out, and you're just like, all right, let's party. And it sure was a party. What'd you think, Grayson? I mean, all it was almost like all of the stars were aligned. You you have the maroon effect. It's my birthday weekend, and and I love when my birthday weekend falls on the maroon effect because I'm I'm a big advocate of maroon. It's a, it's my favorite color is maroon, and uh, so I was so about that. And there was just a lot of hype around the game. You you could feel it in the air. Homecoming, so many people are in town. They have the little country concert going on on, on the uh, turf fields. Um, and it was it was just so exciting to be there. And I don't know what it was, but I had this feeling that like this game, for whatever reason, is going to is going to be electric. It's going to go down to the wire. But somehow Virginia Tech is going to pull it out, and sure enough, we did. But it was it was like, do you do you do you guys agree with me? Did you kind of feel that like when we're over there in in lot one and we all meet up and we're tailgating together? I just had that feeling, and it was very good. And I was like, tonight's today's a good day in Blacksburg, baby. Let's go. We all said it on uh, on ESPN Radio uh, in Blacksburg. Uh, quick plug, shout out to them. Thank you so much for having us on. Uh, Paul. Thanks, Paul. It was awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we all predicted a one score uh, win, and I, and again, we all said it leading up to the game. Uh, even the eternal uh, non-optimist uh, GW was um, was guys. I'm feeling really good about this one, and I don't know if it was his excitement about just coming over from LA, but anyway, game kicks off. And we figured, you know, we could do a podcast on every quarter that happened in this game, but we're just going to do it the way that our memory kind of works. The first half, so much happened, and we're just going to kind of do a thought web of different things that happened in the first half. And you have to start with 11 minutes and 33 seconds left in the fourth quarter, and they play stick it in for the first time in over a decade. And I'm just going to say for myself, I actually wasn't, able to fully appreciate the entire thing because the first two riffs that they played it I kind of faintly heard it and I was like is that is are they playing that right now 
And then when I heard the crowd get into it and line it up with the band, I was like, oh my God, they're playing it. And I could not believe it. Grayson, I know you've been waiting to talk about this forever. Grayson, go oh. ahead. Here we go. I, uh, I swear, man, I think that was the best birthday present I've ever gotten <laughs> in my entire life. I said it in episode one. I said it in the first episode back when we were tiny little peanuts who didn't know what the heck we were doing, that I am the biggest advocate you will ever meet in your life for bringing that drum riff back to Lane Stadium. I had told Whit Babcock at a time to his face to bring it back. And a little, a little fun fact for those who don't know, Whit Babcock said to me, besides... Is Virginia Tech going to be good at football this year? The question that he got the most was, when are you bringing back Stick It In? And I had heard rumors in the Twittersphere. In the Twittersphere. In the Twittersphere um, that they were practicing it. Now, granted, they've been spouting rumors that Metallica is going to come and play Ender Sandman live in Lane Stadium for the past 10 years. And it's never happened. So I'm like, yeah, it's not happening. There's no way. And sure enough, they start playing that drum riff in the red zone. And like you, Bill, and I'm sure, Pat, you were the exact same way. I was like, there's no way. There is no way that I just heard stick it in. I thought I was, I thought I was dreaming. And as soon as it registered that that is what was going on, guys... I wish that somebody had taped, like, my little brother and I's reaction to it. We looked we looked like somebody had just struck us with lightning <laughs> and, and just, we were elect, electric, just going absolutely insane. Took my hat off. I was headbanging. Everybody was like, is this kid on drugs? Like, is he all right? Is he going to be okay? And I was like, no, 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 no. I'm the happiest I've ever been in my entire life right now. I always said the day that they brought it back, people were going to think something was seriously wrong with me because that's how excited I was going to be. But the only thing that made me sad, the only thing that made me sad is when they were playing it, the student section didn't know what was going on. But... In their defense, it only took them a couple more times to play it, and they picked it up real quick. I'm so glad that it's back. Pat, what do you think, as a lifelong Hokie who was there when it was played, what do you think now that Stick It In is back in Lane Stadium? So I said, I think I said on our first ever episode um, that we were at the 2006 Chick-fil-A Bowl, and I remember them playing stick it in there and that was the last time i ever heard it and then you know 11 minutes left in the fourth or whatever it was i hear the very end of it and i kind of perk up and i catch on that it's playing and i grab my buddies dave nouse and bryce chalkley who are down on the field and i start i start just grabbing them and jumping up and down on their shoulders like do you hear that? Do you hear what they're playing right now? And both of them were kind of they, they kind of both brushed me off because um because they were so 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 focused on what was going on on the field. And I was like, "Guys, guys, guys, listen." 
and then they started freaking out too and it it was i mean it was literally and figurative figuratively music to my ears it was i i am speechless at this bringing back stick it in and i mean we, we won the game for a lot of different reasons on saturday but i will say that that was just one of those dominoes that fell that uh, kept us on track for winning this game was bringing it back stick it in and then hearing it in the overtimes as well it was just like amazing i felt like i was at a concert or something and i was just like we need to just keep doing this and keep doing this and keep doing this it was the best, the best. they played it on the game winning play do not tell me that that is not the domino falling in the right place at the right time. So, as far as the first court, first uh, first segment of the game goes, regulation time. Some things that we have to just address here: the James Mitchell Cirque de Soleil, unbelievable acrobatic catch on the sideline. Pat, you've been raving about this all week. That was unbelievable. It's like you're expecting the bearded lady and the trapeze people to to follow right after that play. Mm -hmm. It was incredible. In between two defenders, he goes up, does this like half little spin move thing, and gets both of his feet in and then goes out of bounds. I was raving about that play um, all game, and (laughs) it was just awesome. That was one of the better throws Hendon made all day, and Hendon was terrific. But yeah, Grayson, what do you think of that James Mitchell catch? Well, I got to say, he, he made up for it because I don't know if you guys remember, he had a drop earlier that a lot of a lot of Hokie fans were like, oh my gosh, James Mitchell dropped, dropped a pass. And people were like, it, it was detrimental to the drive. It, it would have set up a, a, a first down, and then he comes back and makes that catch. And just he's out here looking like, looking like Sean Johnson – in the in the 2008 Olympics, just sheer gymnastics out there, jumping up, might as well have done a backflip to get it, and uh, set sets up that uh sets up that score there, it and was... and the pride of Big Stone Gap. That is why he is the pride of Big Stone Gap. That's right, hands down, no question. Some other awesome plays um, uh, from the offensive side of the ball, uh, Trey Turner's. Touchdown. Another beautiful, credit where credit is due, beautiful play design from Coach Cornelson. You have, uh, you have um, the fake screen again, and then you have the, uh, the dragging route taking the corner, and then Trey Turner just leaks out the other side. Very similar to what Duke ran against us for their first or second touchdown. He's just wide open. The timing is perfect. And uh, he's off to the races and has his longest play of the game. And this was his first 100-yard receiving game. Fellas, what did you think of that? Big play Trey is back, baby. (laughs) So true. That play was sweet. It was actually right in front of me and my family down on the field. And we were going berserk after that. It was awesome. That was like first big play of the game. And uh, it was great to get us on on the board there. It was interesting because at that point, you know, we were, we had been down ten to zero, and at, at least over the past two seasons, the resiliency of of Virginia Tech football 
has been very, very inconsistent. And that play was beautifully drawn up. And, and, and it was one of those plays where, you know, I'm sitting in the stands and I see Trey Turner wide open before Hendon Hooker sees him wide open. And everybody's like, there he is, there he is, there he is, there he is. Like, get him. And then, boom, you see, you see Hendon see him and then just drops it right there. Um, and after that score, I, I had been nervous because I'm like, oh, man, UNC's, they, they've got 10 on us. Are we going to let them? Are we going to let them just put the pedals to the metal and, and we can't catch them? No. We get them 7-10 to 10 there, and that play, is, that, that was the spark. That was the spark we needed. It's like, okay, let's make this a football game. I two, thought it was great. Two things that happened on that play. The first thing was, so I saw, uh, I saw the double move, and then I immediately looked to Hendon to see, okay, is he going to see him? And obviously he was because it was part of the read. But I just got to say this. The pump fakes from Virginia Tech quarterbacks in the Fuente era are absolutely hilarious. From Gerard Evans doing it to Josh Jackson doing it to Ryan Willis doing it to now Hendon doing it. I just geek out every time they do a pump fake. It's like the most half-hearted like sidearm <laughs> pump fake. And the defense bites on it every single time time and I, I laugh every time I see it because it just doesn't look anything like a like a Madden pump fake or anything I don't know if that made any sense but it's just one thing <laughs> that I noticed the ball is in the air big play Trey comes down with it and I th- I like sucker punch Matt Galloway in his chest cavity I thought he was going to have a heart attack he wasn't happy about it I don't think he even enjoyed the play it was probably his least favorite play of the entire game but it was <laughs> awesome it was so awesome. Fans are going nuts. Um, another uh, another couple of guys that we have to uh, that we have to mention is Caleb Farley was having an incredible game. Caleb Farley and Khalil Ladler in this game were in Florida State last year mode. It was uh, awesome mm-hmm. to watch. Uh, so big shout out to Caleb Farley. He was incredible. Uh, when he was on the field, it's a shame to see him uh, miss the second half of that game. But again, it gave another player, another couple players, an opportunity to step in and make plays. And um, one last one there is Deshaun McLeese. And I just have to say, this kid, um, you know, undersized, uh, crit- was criticized a lot last year um, and has gotten significantly better. It is almost a guarantee he is going to make the first man miss in the hole. Or in space, he's slippery. He he he. His legs do not stop. If someone's biting at his ankles. He's going to catch his balance. He has come a very long way and has been a very impactful player uh, for this offense. Pat, what do you think? I love watching Seiko line up in the backfield and take carries. He's been a completely different back the last three games, um, and I, I think a lot of it has to do. Uh, with you know the new offensive game plan, I think the offensive line has opened up a lot more holes for him. I'm not sure how much of the uh, you know the Jerry Kill uh, impact has had on uh, you know our running offense, but we have really been able to get a move on. I mean, you talk about the first two three games of the year, we were freaking out as a fan base about the lack of uh, you know our, I think our average yard per carry was like 2.4 yards a carry. Uh, after those first two or three games. And now, McLeese is averaging like four or five yards a carry. He's been unstoppable, and he had some great runs. Uh, one of them, notably, was that screen pass uh, where, he, where he cut across the field, had you know, a 35, 
40-yard gain. And, uh, yeah, he was he was a difference maker. And, uh, you know, I know with – I think Keyshawn King's been battling um, some injury. It's awesome to see McLeese shine here and, uh, you know, make the most of those carries. He's been terrific. He uh, quite both literally and figuratively has been carrying – the, the ball and the team. I mean, with Holston being uh, injured as well as Keyshawn King, uh, Keyshawn King um, like, we need McLeese. So thank the heavens above that he came back. And thank the heavens above that Hendon Hooker came back. Like, the, the fact that those guys at the end of last season thought, you know, maybe I'm going to go somewhere else. And now it's like they are two crucial elements to our offense. It makes me so happy to see them being so productive. And it's just like the chemistry on offense is better. And to 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 McLeese's credit, I mean, I, not to take anything away from him, man, his offensive line is playing great. Uh, he's got holes all day. He's making the right reads. We're not going as – actually, I don't want to say we're not going as east and west as as we usually do because we, we still do. But – Everything, everything is clicking. Everything is snapping much better than it has earlier in the season, and especially last season. Hundred percent agree. And uh, as you alluded to here, I want to talk a little bit about the quarterback play before we get into um, before we get into overtime here. So let's just run down the quarterbacks real quick. Hendon Hooker for the snaps that he took. One thing really stuck out to me: his final line was eight for twelve, one twenty-seven, one touchdown. Once he got past the fumbled snap, he, more than any other game that he played this season, you could tell he was in control and having fun. He wasn't reserved. He was just playing the game, and it was awesome. You could tell that the offense, he understands what he's doing. He understands what's going on, and um, it was great to watch. It's just like this kid is settled in, and um, from you know nothing definitive, but Coach Fuente did say in his uh, his post game wrap today on Monday um, that it looks like it won't be a long term deal. So um, it really looks like he settled in today. Uh, Pat, what did you see? The man was absolutely radiating confidence out there. Uh, you know he he had two solid games under his belt, and he goes out there. You know as you said after that uh, that fumbled snap and was just terrific um love love his connections with trey uh the 336 greensboro uh connection there was awesome and it, i mean these guys love playing for him and he loves being a part of this team um you know, he, he was great on the ground he had awesome pocket presence knows when to step up in the in the pocket uh was making good reads so I was very impressed with him again, and uh, you know we'll see what we we do with him for the next game. But um, yeah, I'm really hoping whatever whatever he's got bugging him, he heals up real quick because um, we're going to need him. I thought that uh, this this game, as far as Hooker is concerned, is it was the first game where it's like okay, this is his team now. Like it really, he he had this this leadership quality in this game that I'm not going to say wasn't in, in the previous games under his belt, but he looks so much more comfortable. And it's like, okay, I'm calling the shots now. I'm, I'm the guy that the coaches trust to get it done. These guys got my back. I got theirs. 
I'm it's my job to make sure that this offense moves down the field. So as far as his overall play, I mean, I really think he's played great in every every start that he's had, but this was the first game where it's like I'm comfortable. These are my guys. The coaches trust me. I'm I'm completely in my element. This one I want to do a deep dive on. Um, us three have been critical of Ryan Willis on this podcast before. Um, and Ryan Willis came into the game right before halftime um, to a onslaught of boos from the Virginia Tech crowd. Um, Grayson, I'm actually going to let you kick this one off here. Um, obviously, as we know, comes in to a plethora of boos and throws a dime to Damon Hazleton. Um, but, but Grayson, why don't you go ahead and, uh, and, and address um, the fan reaction to Ryan Willis coming on in that football game? Absolutely no. So uh, I will be the first to say I uh, I think last week I I don't want to say I was overly critical of him, but I haven't been that pleased, uh, and I, I don't I don't think that's a, a secret. But um, when he came out, I was nervous. I mean, I think I think it's natural to be nervous. You're like, oh, there's a reason the coaches are going with hooker now and now the hooker's injured. Okay. Let's, let's see what he's got, but to boo him, to boo him, Hokie fans, we are so much better than that. Like so much better than that. They do that down in Miami. All right. They do that down there. It's low class. And then how dumb do you feel when right before the half, Willis throws a dime pass to Damon Hazleton, which, by the way, if he doesn't make that throw, we don't win the football game. So how about everybody just take a chill pill for a second, lay off the kid because he's a human being, all right? You know, you may not – you don't have to like him. That's fine. You don't, you don't have to be excited about it or whatever, but don't – Boo him, okay? This is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Pat, we'll get you to, to you in a second, and I'll just I'll, I'll weigh in on this real quick. Um, at the end of the day, Ryan Willis is a 23-year-old kid. Um, Ryan Willis, every day after class, or before class, they practice in the morning, is going and practicing with his team. Ryan Willis had every reason to hang his head, be a poor teammate, be upset about the uh, deck of cards that he had been dealt. Um, and truth be told, we've mentioned it before, he's running an offense that likely doesn't fit his skill set uh, very well. Um, but the guy battled. He battled against UNC last year. He battled against Virginia the year um, uh, last year as well um, and has done some awesome things for this team. And obviously the coaches decided to roll with Hooker thought he was uh, the right the right man for the job moving forward, and it turns out he was. But to boo a guy like that, a 23-year-old kid who lays it out there on the line every Saturday and every opportunity that he has is is disgusting. It's, it's, it's again, low class and not what Virginia Tech is. I know that's not what Virginia Tech is. Um, and I'll tell you what, I'm glad he didn't, but 
I could have, I wouldn't have blamed him if he throws that touchdown and double birds everybody and runs into the end zone and hugs his teammates. Um, but uh, I was, I, I was happy for the kid to see him get his number called, him pull through, um, and go celebrate with his teammates in the end zone. Pat, what's your angle? This guy's wearing maroon and orange, and if you're not cheering for him, you're not cheering for our team to win the game. I don't care if you're, you know, if, if I think if you're saying we weren't booing Willis, we were booing the coaching staff or putting him in, I think that's a cop-out. Um, weak. Weak. This guy is weak. our quarterback, and at the time, he's given us the best chance to win the game. So you're going to support him, or you can leave. And I don't encourage leaving. Um, he comes in cold, hadn't been warming up, throws an absolute dime. And, you know, he went three for three for 55 yards, had another pass to, uh, I think it was Turner, um, on another drive. But, I mean, he's human. He's a Hokie. He's wearing the orange and maroon on game day. You're going to support him. So Willis throws the touchdown. We come into the second half, and he rolls back out there in the second half. And that's where a lot of people realize that, obviously, you know, something is going on with Hendon Hooker here. First drive, three and out. And I'm like, oh, God, this is, this is a huge problem. Uh, we go three and out. UNC gets the ball. We get the ball back. And then um, we actually move the ball down the field a good bit. I believe we got one or two first downs. Um, and we get ourselves into around a third and four pushing or at field goal range. And almost identical to the Notre Dame play last year, Ryan Willis takes a drop, he feels some pressure, rolls out to the right, and as he's rolling out to the right, I'm sure you guys were saying the same thing. I am saying out loud, vocally, loudly, throw it away, throw it away, throw it away, throw it away, throw it away. Doesn't throw it away. UNC's on his ankles, UNC's jumping on his back, and he just takes the ball and just throws it over his shoulder. Uh, like, you know, no regard for, obviously, the ball. He was probably try, obviously trying to get it out of bounds and make a play there, but just not smart. We know how much Coach Fuente um, prides and puts emphasis on, on ball security. Um, and thank God it wasn't intercepted. But it did fall short of the line of scrimmage to gain, and uh, the official salt bays the flag on top of Ryan Willis. Officials love intentional grounding because they just walk up to the quarterback who's on the ground and just salt bay, just bow, just drop the flag right there. Um, and he does the bow. He drops it right by him. Um, and oh then that was, uh, that was all she wrote for Ryan Willis. But very admirable stat line, 3 for 3, 55 yards in grace. And as you said – uh, one of the most important plays of the entire game. Um, so that was uh, obviously huge. Uh, and then enter Quincy Patterson. And what was crazy is it wasn't for one play. It wasn't for two plays. It wasn't for uh, a play and then a timeout. This was Quincy Patterson's ball game, Fellas, what did you think about the switch? Loved it. Loved it. Seeing him come on, we were like, okay, yeah, is this is this just a one a one and done? What's going on here? And uh Coach Fu and Coach Korn, this was one of the better, you know, decisions we've we've seen in a long time as far as um game management and roster management. 
Quincy comes onto the field, and this guy is like a hybrid of the Jolly Green Giant and Hagrid from Harry Potter. He's just an absolute mountain man. (laughs) And he runs so freaking fast. He get uh, after that first first down, he got maybe a, you know a 12, 13 yard gain. He gets up, dusts himself off, daps up whoever was right by him, and the place erupted. I mean, he was running out of his mind, and he even had some, he had some good throws too. But um, watching us run this offense with Quincy Patterson, it reminded me of a combination of Michael Vick and Logan Thomas. You got the speed of Michael, and then you got this just this big frame of Logan Thomas. And you put that together, they're calling him Thick Vick, which is <laughs> hilarious. But he was just mean. He was large, and I would not want to tackle this dude if my life had depended on it. I mean, he is just commanding every single drive, falling forward, and just beasting it up. Grayson. I thought for sure that when he came in, I was like, he's he's going to come in for two plays, and then they're going to go back to Ryan. I'm, I'm serious. I, I really thought that. I was like, there is no way that the coaching staff – is about to put this game in the hands of Quincy Patterson. And it's it, it's bad that I think that, but just, I mean, guys, like, come on now. How many times have we seen that kid going for one play and then they just yank him? So yep. um, I, I, I think I have every right to think that way. Um, but at the end of the day, I think what, what happened was is after uh, after the coaching staff saw Ryan throw it over his shoulder and get that grounding, he's like, okay. Wente was probably said to himself, man, we we got to get a guy in there who can run the, run the ball and, and not take sacks. And that's not a dig at Willis, but he isn't really an RPO guy. Hendon Hooker is an RPO guy. Quincy Patterson is an RPO guy. So finally, they're like, all right, look, if we want to win this football game, we got to have somebody in there who can run the football and go forward when he does it. And so he comes in there, and I think it, it, it was the debut that all Hokies had been waiting for with, with as, as much hype that was around this kid, for him to come in there and lead us to a victory in the fashion that he did, you, can, you couldn't ask for a better debut yeah yeah oh hey hey quincy what what game did you so what, what was your first uh first like big showtime game in lane stadium uh you know took the hokies to a 6-0 t victory against <laughs> uh against unc at homecoming we stick it in in the background but yeah no like it's not a big deal or anything Un- unbelievable debut for the kid couldn't be more happy for him and and like you said pat when he runs, he has a forward lean and is not taking twinkle toe steps either. This dude is is full extension stride, digging all of his cleats into the ground. And like, if you're in my way, you're getting run the hell over. I mean, watching him run was 
The only word I can think of is just powerful. The guy can fly and just bulldozes whoever is in his way. But here's what was more impressive to me. He enters the game. Uh, place is going crazy. This is his first real shot. Like, th- this is your ball game. And the command and poise and body language that was not just evident, it exuded from him. You could see he, he was completely in control of everything that was going on. He ran a limited playbook. He had probably six to eight plays that he ran the entire game. There were multiple times where I'm watching the game clock because I'm like, I guarantee we're going to get a delay of game. It's just inevitable, and it's going to come at a huge moment. Multiple times, we're breaking the huddle or finally getting the play call in with six, five, four seconds left with the play clock. He gets everybody set. He's pushing wide receivers to the right side. He's getting everybody lined up, making sure everybody's set, taking the snap, and it was flawless. It was like this guy's been doing this his whole life. I could not believe the confidence and, and, and trust and just made it look like he's been doing it all season from a freshman who has the utmost, uh, utmost expectations that were put on him when for the longest time he just wasn't ready. And he finally got his moment, and he's been saying it on Twitter. He's been saying it on Instagram. Um, and I don't care if I sound goofy saying that, but he's been saying, I'm ready for my moment when it comes. His moment came, and he owned that moment. Three for six, 54 yards and a touchdown, 21 carries, 122 yards and a touchdown running. That was the one that mattered. Fellas, I was floored by it. I, I, I could not believe it. And, um, you know, is there anything else from the regulation you want to get into before we run down in the over, run down the overtime, uh, overtime by overtime? I think we got to give some shout outs to the defense. Just being able to consistently hold it together mm-hmm. i mean we went down 10 nothing right away and then um you know put a you know we were on lockdown from there chapman was great filling in for farley uh the defensive tackles defensive line was awesome um <laughs> diablo had that one super gnarly um cam chancellor-esque hit on that guy uh i, I just love that it was it was kind of like a bend don't break game. Um, that Carolina offense has some super talented players, and just the fact that we were able to hold them to a lot of three and outs, um, you know, throughout the second and third quarter and uh, late fourth was great. And then you know, obviously the offense was great in just being able to bounce back after every single time we did go down. Grayson, what'd you think? Anything else you want to touch on uh, from the end of regulation? Honestly, you got to give some props to the crowd, boys. Like, I I don't think I've heard Lane Stadium that loud in a long time. Like, to look across, because all of us were on the west side, and look at the east stands, and they're filled up to the corner. It's filled up to the corners. Like, how special was that? And I mean, that's not really about the players, but just every. It seemed as though, for the most part, at least this season, that this was the game where everybody stayed until the end of regulation, minus minus a few students. But I, when I looked over at the end of regulation, that student section, I would say, was about seventy five percent full. And you know what? After this season, that's good enough for me. Also, um. 
just the, the the energy of the players all game. They were on level 100, throwing the towels around their head, all standing up on the bench. I love that. It felt like Lane Stadium of old. One more thing um, uh, as we go into the overtime here. So as the clock's running down, we get the ball back with around 12-ish seconds, maybe a little bit less than that, maybe under 10. Uh, And the fans got mad. Uh, We had the ball around the 40, around our own 40, and we uh, decided to take a knee. And a lot of people uh, were angry that maybe we didn't take a shot there. I'm going to go ahead and back the coaching staff on this. There's too much that can go wrong with a first-time starting quarterback to throw a Hail Mary there. And I'm just going to give you an example of one here. If you throw the ball, you have a fumble, um, any type of mismanagement here that UNC gets the ball, if we throw a pick and you got a bunch of fat offensive linemen or guys that aren't typically trying to make a tackle, make the tackle close to uh, in our own territory and somehow we get a horse collar or a face mask or something along those lines, Half, uh, play can't end on a penalty. They're going to get a chance to kick that, uh, to kick that field goal there. Um, so that was definitely... Um, I think the correct, um, the correct move there. So um, that was uh, what we have there. Um, moving into overtime here. Overtime one, Virginia Tech starts with the ball. UNC wins the coin toss, decides to go with us to have the ball first. And for all of us who criticize that corn, scared me. for all of us who criticize corn for being conservative, first play takes the snap. One read, bam, throws a now to Trey Turner on a, uh, on a crossing route and throws, again, a dime. And I guarantee you that uh, the DB makes a great play. I guarantee you that Trey would want that back. That's a catch that he normally makes. Um, and, uh, but he, but uh, came, out of the, came out first play, guns blazing, fellas. What would you think of that? Oh, I think everyone was just kind of let out like a, Oh, mm-hmm. like everyone's jaws kind of dropped to the floor. Like, oh man, we just missed. We just missed. That was just a little too far, you know, out of uh, Trey's outstretched fingertips. It would have been incredible. It, it's crazy. I had actually just gotten back from uh, from the bathroom when <laughs> Trey went. Yeah, okay, sorry. Uh, all, all of regulation, I didn't go once. What do you want me to do, boys? I'm not going to miss six overtimes, or however many there were going to be at that point. So I got back, and, and I saw that, that Trey Turner hadn't made that catch, and I'm pat him with you, man. Like, had he gotten that? Like, had he gotten that? But come on, you look at it now, and it's like, would you have rather had one <laughs> overtime? Give me the, six, baby. Yeah, give me six, six baby. You don't want... You don't want, I mean, you don't want one point. You want six points. <laughs> so then, after that, the DB makes a nice play on that, and then we get into third and six, and they trust Quincy to pass again. Um, and this time, Quincy makes a very savvy non-freshman decision. Uh, they drop him back, makes his first read. It's not there. Uh, Cleese, he could have maybe dumped it off to him. He probably still doesn't get the first down there. Um, but he decides to tuck it, get as much as he can, give Brian Johnson a chance to kick the field goal. We kick the field goal. We go up three. North Carolina gets the ball. 
and has, gets all the way down to a third and two, and they have a, uh, a penalty. Backs him up, and this is where the air, for the first time in the game, I think, just completely exits the stadium. Javante Williams, who had an amazing football game for North Carolina, gets nine on third and seven, carries oh our defensive gosh. back to the first down. And We're going to lose. We're going to lose. We're gonna I, lose. I, I was like, this is a huge issue. It was an unbelievable run. And, and, and Pat, we talked about this yesterday, that Javante Williams kid is a horse. I mean, he carried that team all game long um, and just made a big-time play there. Um, and then, uh, fellas, what did you see on that? That <laughs> just freaked me out. That was uh, right in front of where we were standing, and he just kept going and going and going, um, you know, knocking off would-be tacklers. Um, it was an admirable run. We, we, You know, I thought we were going to get him maybe three, four yards short of the yellow line, and uh, he goes – he goes for about you know a 10, 11 yard run. He just keeps going and keeps going and keeps going, chugging his legs. And you know, first and ten or first and goal, maybe it was from there. Um, that's when the defense locked in. They they locked in, man. I was nervous because I mean, it, you you saw the power that uh, that he was running with, and Pat, like you said, we started to get dragged a little bit there, and I'm like, oh man. Here we go. It's it, it, the defense is getting tired. They're gassed. They're they're gonna run a draw play next, catch us off guard, and walk into the end zone. So it was at that point where I started to get nervous. It's like, okay, who who can outlast the other? You know, who who is who is built to go the distance here? And then, and, and then sure I was enough. asking myself, who's gonna make the play? to prevent that, uh, that draw from happening there. And UNC decides on a second and 10 from the 12 yard line to let Hal, who had been great all game, drop back uh, and, uh, and, and look for a receiver. And the defensive backfield, I have to say the entire game, the entire game where we had the Tyrod Nebraska-esque rollouts where he had just given the receivers time to get open, find a hole, we're doing an excellent job at shutting that down, staying glued to their guys, staying disciplined, and staying with their man. So on this second and 10 here, from the 12, he has nine seconds in, uh, from the pocket to scrambling around, look at, keeping his eyes down the field, and it leads to a huge Hewitt sack. And I got to say, Hewitt had the best game. I, in my opinion, he had the best game of his career. He showed up and he was, was outstanding. Awesome. Had a huge sack. Got to work on the celebration. Did a little bit of like a, a, a Michael Strahan stomp him out. Shout out to the 2007 New York uh, Super Bowl Giants. Um, <laughs> and then uh, UNC goes ahead and kicks a field goal after the first of a few Fuente Smirnoff ices. And then we walk ourselves into <laughs> overtime number two. And again... North Carolina with nine seconds on second and seven. Couldn't find someone. Shout out to the secondary. And Javante Williams again on third and seven goes for 14 yards. And enter Khalil Ladler on second and goal. Makes an incredible play. Almost picks it. Diving to prevent the, uh, the touchdown. This is where he enters complete dominance FSU mode. 
And then on the next play, though, you get the rollout to Bo Corrales on an excellent ball and an excellent second effort route in the corner, and UNC takes the lead by seven. Fellas, tell me how you reacted to that. I was I was I was already nervous at the, at this point, but now we're in a tight spot because the pressure is on us. It's like okay, now now we gotta we gotta score. We we we, we gotta keep this thing going. Can we do that? I don't know. I like like my my overall feeling was. Can the offense go toe to toe with these guys in overtime? We it kind of seemed like we were running. It's almost like the coaches, at least while Quincy was in the game, were just spinning this little wheel or like rolling dice with the same ten to twelve plays on it, and whatever they got is what they went with. And I was like, just however we got to do this, just score. I got to I got to address that Greg cuz then the next drive happens here. Overtime number 2 Virginia Tech has the ball and they run the sprint out with Quincy. It's the first play that we run on that drive. And people are booing, people are freaking out. They're like run something else. What is Corn doing? Foo, what are you doing? And I literally tur- I literally turned around and I was just thinking in my head I'm like, "Hey, uh Travis from AAA. I don't know if you've been watching this football game, but uh this Quincy Patterson runout thing has worked just about every single time we've ran it, and he probably has about six to eight plays that we feel comfortable running right now. So I didn't have a problem with it. Um, now, obviously, we got behind the sticks a little bit, and by the way, Patterson averaged 5.8 yards a carry um, and had taken extremely limited snaps. So again, the playbook is very reduced by the time that he's in the game. So he goes in the sprint out, doesn't get anything. Second and out draw is stuffed. And then uh, another run, tackle is made by Ch- uh, Surratt, Pat, former quarterback at UNC. You were raving about this. Chaz, man. This Chaz guy was all over the field. I don't know how many tackles he had, um, but I'm going to answer that with a lot. He was <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> he was absolutely everywhere. Um, his brother actually is a wide receiver. For Wake Forest and Chaz was, <coughs> was Chaz the quarterback last year, or the year before. He he transitioned from quarterback to linebacker for North Insane Carolina. So super 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 talented guy, Chaz Surratt. Fourth and ball game. Fourth and if you don't get it, the game is over. We are going home and having a very different podcast than we are having right now. Line it up. Corn dials it up. Has the cojones to drop Quincy Patterson back in full max protection with two double fades on both sides. Quincy takes two steps, plants, throws a beautiful pass to Hazleton, who is holding hands as if down on Long Beach Island for a nice little walk. One hand catches the ball, pins it to his chest plate, place goes crazy, have to shout out, Absolutely have to shout out Hazleton. We were uh, not critical, but had a couple question marks after last week. This man came to play. The Hayes fade is undefeated. It is awesome, and I love it. Fellas, go on ahead, Pat. What in the world, man? Fourth and three. 
you're thinking, what are we gonna do? I'm like, all right, I want to see some, I want to see some Ryan Malik, Ohio State stuff. I don't know if they've even ever ran that play in practice with Quincy. Um, I'm gonna I don't go with know. No. Yeah, we're gonna go with no. <laughs> Damon catches that ball one-handed, and I'm just like, so to give you the backstory, um, every single overtime we would sprint down um, to the other side of the field because we kept s- switching sides after the overtimes. So, um, you know, typically I was on the north side. I would sprint down to the south side to watch the overtime and then sprint back when, when we go in another overtime. And I was down there. It was on the far side because I was on the west. And this happened right in front of the, uh, the east corner. And I see the flag come out right as he catches it. And I just thought it was too good to be true. I honestly thought it was way too good to be true. So I don't I don't really start celebrating. And and my buddy Bryce is like, dude, it's all, it it was not offensive. It was clearly what we're gonna call an and one. That's an and one touchdown. You know, let's kick the extra point, we get eight points. Um, and the foul. And then I just started going crazy. It was unbelievable. Great trust in Quincy to call that up on fourth and three uh one of the more iconic plays ever in lane stadium Grayson, i was uh at, at this point at one like, like the fourth down it being okay this is it man you don't get this first down we're done it's over fourth and three i, I being who i am i'm like we're going to run some draw play with Quincy like we have here, and he's going to get stuck for a loss, and UNC is going to dance over him, run down the field, probably give the birds who are student section, like the classless you know, UNCAA people that they are. Um, not even, yeah. So, so I, was, I was just like, anticipating the worst at this point. I'm like, I've seen this song and dance. I was at the Duke game in 2015, four overtimes. I was, I was at this point, I was ready to lose, but corn goes with one of there's the all time bad, a money, money sign calls in lane stadium history and has him as Quincy Patterson throw a corner fade to Damon, Damon, who catches it with one hand. Guys, we got to get the Damon thing. Down. Yeah, we 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 really got to get that right. Like Johnny Damon, jo- Johnny Damon, Damon catches it one-handed, left hand, by the way, and then walks out of the end zone, holds the ball out like he's Jesus Christ, looks at the UNC cheerleaders in the face, and is like, "Oh yeah." That just happened. We ain't going anywhere. What's good, you cheating pieces of crap? I loved it. Enter overtime three. Virginia Tech, long story short, goes with the uh, aggressive play call, which I do not mind, but almost throws a pick here. Um, Patterson on another slant. And it leads to a Brian Johnson missed field goal. Things are looking bleak here. I'm getting a little bit worried. UNC gets the ball. We get them to third and six. Corrales makes a huge play on the sideline to move the chains. They have first and 10 on the 15. 
Things are looking kind of bleak. On first and 10, get a holding call. Back them up 10 Huge. yards. Huge holding Stacey call. Sir- Stacy Searle. I got more Stacy Searle stuff, uh, Coach Searle stuff coming up here in a minute. Back them up to first and 20 on the 25-yard line. We get three huge stops. There is a 35-yard <coughs> attempt coming up here. UNC ends up icing themselves. Mac Brown reaches in his back pocket, pulls out a Smirnoff ice. Coach Fuente must have put it there pregame when he gave him his hug, pulls it out, and he's like, oh, my God, has to take a timeout because Team Automatic, which is what Coach Searles used to call the extra point team and the field goal team, Team Automatic was not figuring out how to line up correctly. Camera pans to him. He's freaking out. He's losing his mind. And they have to burn a timeout. So they ice their own kicker. Okay? They go ahead. They figure their stuff up. Sing sing kumbaya. Talk about let's get the hell out of Blacksburg. Come back out. And Coach Fuente says, oh, got another Smirnoff ice in my back pocket. Pulls that joan out right there and then takes another timeout. This kicker is now suffering from hypothermia. He has been been, uh, iced twice. And they are lining up, ready to kick this field goal. Fans got their phones out, shining the phones. Place is going bananas. Fellas, Grayson, what are we thinking before this ball is kicked? Honestly, even with being iced, I'm like, I don't know. I I, I think that he's going to miss it. I honestly thought that. I, I, I don't know what came over me, but I just had this this fleeting feeling of just, you know what? This game, this isn't how it ends. Not now. We've come too far. I've come too far. The stars were aligned. I've said that so many times. The stars were aligned. It was not meant to end this way. And lo and behold, what happens? He shanks it. And it grazes Ever so softly, the flag of the goalpost, that orange little flag that hangs up there. And I'm like, and, and I couldn't tell from where I was sitting that he missed it at first. But as soon as I saw the student section's reaction, I put my hands into my, I put my face into my hands. And I was like, I don't know how much more of this I can take, but I'm here for it. It was like, it was like in Gladiator, in, in the movie Gladiator where uh, Maximus is standing there, Russell Crowe is Maximus, and he just says to the crowd, are you not entertained? Because that's exactly how I felt. Yeah. I'm going to co-sign with you there. So you think of getting lucky in sports. We definitely got lucky with that one. That guy missed that field. Ruggles missed that field goal as closely as you can miss a field goal. It it hit the flag. I'd never seen that happen uh, in in all my years of watching football. But you think, you know, I, I was thinking back to, um, you know, with that Johnson miss, I think of like Brandon Pace missing uh, against NC State in 2004, Chuck Amato and his goofy sunglasses, um, you know, still turned into a special year. But the ball bounced our way. It, boun- it bounced off the flag and to my disbelief, we were going to get another shot at this. And and I was thinking, okay, this is our game now. You know, they just lost. They are handing it to us on a silver platter. We're going to go score here. 
and we're gonna win the game in four overtimes. I didn't, I didn't think five and six were coming after that, but it was just another another thing of disbelief. But it happened. Enter overtime four. UNC lines up for another field goal attempt, and Team Automatic for UNC gets another delay of game. Backs them up to a forty-four yard attempt, and blocked by the six foot seven offensive lineman Luke Tenuta who on his visit I sat at the table had uh, some mission barbecue with him and his lovely mother Mrs. Tenuta Uh, little fun fact here father played at the University of Virginia and coached at the University of Virginia in the Mike London era Luke Tenuta with his big six foot seven head blocks the kick. If you want to call it a block or just having your head in the right spot at the right time, I don't know what the hell it was, but he blocks the kick. Pandemonium ensues. Everybody's going freaking bananas. And then we get the ball and we're like, let's go win this damn football game. Third and five, Doug Nestor jumps. Patterson gobbled up on probably his only loss of yardage play all night. And we got a 42 yarder. Line up. Kick it. Brian Johnson right down the middle. We win. They lose. It's over. No, it's not. Whistles come out. Mac Brown reaches in his back pocket and throws a Smirnoff ice right onto the field. And we got to kick it again. And I'm going to be honest with you. Once that happened, I would have bet my non-existent mortgage that that we were going to miss that field goal. It's a long field goal. It's It's outside of his range. Um, it's just the situation we're in right now and, um, missed the field goal. We just missed the field goal. Had the leg, um, off target. Fellas, reactions. Oh, it hurt. It hurt so bad, Pat. Go ahead, man. It just hurt. I was like, oh no, they gave it to us and we just gave it back to them. What the heck is going on? And I'm thinking, I got to run down all the way back to the other end of the field again. <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> I can't do another overtime. I have, I have, I'm tired, man. I've been yelling every single defensive play. I got to work on Monday. Like, can we get this over with? At, at that point, man, Pat, I, I was with you. It was like, y'all were going to be coming over after the game. I was like, man, I got drinking to do. Like, at this point... We've been in there so long. Any beverages, the adult variety that I had prior to the game, I have metabolized <laughs> through sweat and stress. I just can't handle this anymore. I got to get out of here. And as as bad as it is, I, you know, I I did, guys. I really did. As soon as they called it back because of the timeout and they iced him, I was like, of course. The first one is going to go through. It was the but best the ball I've ever seen him hit, the first the first kick. Yep. It was yep. beautiful. I, I was like, that was way too beautiful. That was super for, extra cash. For, for super extra cash. But for anything to follow that, I mean, that's like, uh, how, that's like following, that's like me following a great stand-up comic, like, I don't know, George Carlin. Like that nobody came here to see me. Nobody came here to see that second kick. I wanted to see that beautiful thing go go through and it just be over with. I don't want the after show. I don't I don't I don't want that little song and dance. Nobody came here 
to see the late night special. After that, Ashby, in true number 25 fashion, goes over and daps up Brian Johnson. He gives you the, hey, kicker guy, we still love you, and we're going to take care of this right the hell now. Enter overtime five. You got the two-point conversion stuff. I actually don't mind the rule. Everybody's freaking out. It's really not that big a deal. I really didn't mind it. It's kind of like, you know, <laughs> make it or break it. You get a walk-off touchdown type deal. I was all about it. First time, get the phase to Hazleton. Fade, fade to Hayes. Um, I thought it was a play on. A lot of people wanted a penalty. I'm not sure how you guys felt about it. Um, but didn't I love felt, it. I felt like both were really fighting. Uh, got a drop. Excellent name uh, of the cornerback from an, uh, making the play. Storm Duck. One and one name uh, making the play there. And then uh, UNC runs the speed motion to the boundary. The defense flies to the boundary. Everybody flies, except for Khalil Ladler, who, just like in the FSU game when they ran those stupid little screens, hums up the field. He is on the running back's toes as he gets the misdirection pitch and makes a massive play. Stayed at home. Fellas, pandemonium again ensues. Were you guys losing your mind? Oh, my gosh, man. That was like Bud Foster defenses of old. I mean, just rising to the occasions. And you know what? Khalil said, you know what, fellas? I'm I'm, I'm not going out tonight. I'm not going out tonight. I'm going to stay at home. I'm going to stay at home over here and just blow this whole thing up by myself. Yeah, he was like, you guys go out for drinks and and, and just, I'm going to chill here (laughs) and take care of this. Because that's exactly what he did. Enter overtime fi- overtime six, the final overtime, in case any of you are wondering. UNC runs another Tyrod Taylor-esque rollout Nebraska. You got twins to the boundary and a backside fade. He looks to the boundary first, rolls out right. Guy tries to get open, can't get open. And Ladler again sprints up the field, says, I'm not waiting on you to make a decision. I'm making the decision right the frick now. Gobbles him up and makes the tackle and sprints 70 yards down the field to the student section. Just like the UVA game. It was awesome. And then I I asked him the day after, and I said, were you more tired from the game or from sprinting down the field. And he said, I don't know if I could have done another overtime after running that 70-yard sprint <laughs> after the big play. And it was a massive play. And you got to think, this is not like you have drives going back and forth. With the two-point conversion, it's you get one play, then the other gets one play, then you get one play, and the other gets one play. I mean, you're going back and forth. It's rapid-fire it's rapid football there. You're just switching sides. So then he makes that huge play, and this... I'm telling you, it was it could be in a movie. It literally could be in a movie. The announcers are raving about Khalil Adler, and then Stick It In comes back again. It's playing. The place is going bonkers. The student section went on their iPhones, looked up what to sing, and starts doing the damn riff as well. The place is going crazy. Quick huddle, breaks the huddle there. Quincy Patterson up the gut, 
two defensive tackles hanging on him, and he powers behind an awesome double team by Austin Cannon and Derisaw. Pandemonium ensues. Unbelievable. How did we celebrate what happened here? I again punched Matt Galloway in his jejudum. I don't know if he has caught his breath yet. Pat, how'd you celebrate? So uh, the team all is going up and uh, celebrating with the cadets and myself and Bryce and Dave go over there as well. And we're jumping around with them and it was crazy. And then Dave jumps into my arms. I'm carrying him around the field, doing a little loop-de-loop around the field. We go over to uh, to midfield, dap up Ladler, dap up Trey Turner, and uh, it was just magic. Sandman comes on. We're jumping up and down, and it was a complete euphoria, and I have never experienced anything like that in my entire life. Truly epic. At this point, man, my voice was completely shot. My dad, I'm looking at my dad, my little brother. My little brother's wearing a, a, a visor upside down backwards, like the little, you know, jerk that he is. And uh, I'm like, hey, man, put your rally cap on, but never, ever, ever wear a visor backwards. Um, regard, Yeah. Just, Big fan just, of the just, backwards visor, if I may say. I, I, I just don't do that. <laughs> anyway, my dad and, and, and my brother and I, we all got our arms around each other. We're like, all right, this is it. Let's do it. Like, this is our shot right here, right now. Let's end it. They call the play. I see Quincy running. I'm nervous. I'm nervous. I'm like, they're expecting this. Watch them. They're going to blow it up. Now, oh, 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 oh. Great. He's in, baby. He's in. And the place erupts. Mind you, stick it in and just played. I'm like, oh my gosh, this would be the picture perfect ending. It would be so poetic. And then it happened. It happened that way. My dad, Hampton, and I are freaking out, giving hugs and high fives to all the fans around us. My dad's like, it's just like the old days. He said that. He was like, it's just like the old days. And I'm thinking all these memories of these moments coming back to me. I'm like, euphoria. Absolute euphoria. I was on cloud nine. And then after, boys, Sandman comes on. And with my toad on a lily pad sounding voice and belting (laughs) that thing every last word until it is over, just... I hadn't eaten like anything really. I'm lightheaded, but I had never felt better in my entire life. There was nothing like that. And and and, and Tech has started doing the doing the they take the lyrics out and the entire stadium is singing this song. And I, I, this is one that Virginia Tech we will talk about for literally forever. It was I'll never I'll never forget that night in uh in Lane Stadium, that is something of storybooks uh, and unbelievable. And I have a I have a post game story for y'all. So um, I'm like watching everybody. I'm watching the madness. Everybody's kind of watching what's going on over um, on the cadet side. And I'm like, you know what? I bet Oscar Bradburn's doing some funny stuff right now. I got to find out where he is. So I start <laughs> scoping. I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm looking. I'm like, oh, okay. There he is. He is dead sprint 
by himself sprinting to the student section, runs up into the student section, hugs everybody, runs up to like the second tier and starts crowd surfing in the student section by himself. I thought we may never see him again. I thought they would just carry him out of the stadium like that. He comes barreling down, helmet still on and buckled, mind you, comes down the student section, sees Mr. Whit Babcock standing right there with awesome maroon corduroys that are great. I got to know where he got them. Jumps into his arms, full (laughs) jump into his arms like a soldier coming home from war, wraps his little Australian kangaroo legs around Mr. Babcock and hugs him for what might have been the most, like imagine a Michael Scott hug, like one of those really long hugs, but like on, on monster energy drink, that is what it was like. And it was awesome. And uh, Mr. Babcock smiling ear to ear, just an awesome moment. And, and fellas, I got to say, um, that is just a microcosm of everything that happened. I was so happy for these kids and to think about how much these kids have been through from the off season to the we were talking about earlier the Boston College game the 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 Duke game and you can't help but but think and know how the heck or I don't see a way we win this game without the lessons that came from Boston College from Duke from Miami you learn how to win you learn how to practice these young guys they love each other and at the end of the day at the end of the day, I have said it, I stuck with it, and you know it was tough sometimes, and I can understand going the other way, but I always knew that this team loved this coaching staff and believed in this coaching staff, and they are starting, as Coach Fuente said in the post-game interview, to buy in and develop that identity that they need to, ident- that they need to have to be the football team that we want them to be and that they want themselves to be. And um, this was awesome. Not just that we were able to compete with our third string quarterback running the speed option with a tight end to win the football game, but to actually win the damn game was incredible. Paticus Finch, go on ahead. Honestly, there are so many things you can say about that four quarters and six overtimes. Seeing this team overcome all that adversity, you know, myself, I I was walking out of that Duke game saying this is the lowest point it's ever been. And it was. And it was. It definitely was. Going down to Miami, turning on a dime with great quarterback play and watching these young players grow up before our very eyes. I mean, you look at Kendricks and Pollard and Waller, uh, Jamari Connor, Farley has been outstanding, McLeese. Like, you, you can't give enough shout-outs. Everyone has been just unbelievably... Just the progress this team has made since that night, that Friday night for the Duke game has been insane. And they're just... They're making believers out of all of us, and it's exactly what we needed at this point in time. This was such a pivotal game 
for not only this season, but really the future of our program. We needed this win so badly for these players, for the staff, and for the fan base. And it was delivered. And we ate it all up. Honestly, it just it made me so happy. And, and, and I'll say it one more time. The stars were aligned, boys. I came home to see a show. And the Hokies gave us a show. That game was a spectacle to behold. One of my, it has officially jumped into my top five games. Heck, I would wager top three games that I've ever been to in Lane Stadium in terms of the crowd and just the overall atmosphere and the energy and just the, the six overtime to stick it in. Like, are you kidding me? It was crazy. And had I not been there, oh my gosh. But you, you want to talk about FOMO. You want to talk about the fear of missing out. I might have gone to Santa Monica had I not been there and jumped off the top of the Ferris wheel on the pier and just, like, knowing that I was not in Lane Stadium that night. Um, it just it, it made me, like my dad said, it made me think of, of teams of old and Lane Stadium of old. And for us to come, I mean, if you had told me, if you had told me after that Duke game that we would be five and two after playing UNC, I would look you in your face, probably want to uppercut your A dollar dollar sign, and then tell you to go fall down a well. Um, there's, I, I would have been like, yeah, okay, next. Now I'm like, I, I, I just, I can't believe it. I can't believe that. It's almost like the game day boys when that video came out and so they spoke it into existence like it's so bad. And then maybe the team saw it and was just like, OK, we can't have that. And just it's like a spark. That game, that Duke game was just a spark. And we, we haven't looked back since. Before we get into uh, awards, shout outs and lunch pail. Just a couple post-game notes or anything that you guys missed uh, that one that you want to bring up. I just got to say, I got three things. You have to see Dax Hollifield play live. If you like Dax and you're listening to this podcast right now and you have not been to, to Blacksburg for a game, you just watching him do anything is, is like a spectacle in itself. The guy plays with more energy and more alphaness than anybody I've ever seen. He loves football. He loves the team. He loves everything. And I'm just going to give you a singular example here. Dude's on kickoff. The dude's massive. The dude loves hitting people. He's going to get doubled every time on kickoff. And he knows he's going to get doubled every time on kickoff. His mentality is I know that two people are going to try to block me. I'm going to pick one of them and I am going to maim that one person that tries to block me. And I'm going to get in his face about it after, and everybody's going to get fired up. And that kind of stuff is what rallies this team. And I know, I know Koshibist loves to see it, and I love to watch it. you got to see Dax live, and I'm sure you guys will stamp that. He's a, I mean, I, I'm that kid's biggest fan. He is a... <laughs> Hit bull dog. Like, just put the kid on a leash because he's, he's a dog. 
Ricky Walker described him as a football meathead. That's what he is. He is like, that kid was born to play on Bud Foster's defense. Like, born to play on a Bud Foster defense. Country boy at heart out of Shelby, North Carolina. I mean, just long hair looking like Clay Matthews, looks like Thor, and just, he is just having the time of his life on the football field. And he shows it he, after every play going onto the field, every kickoff, he's jumping up and down, putting his arms up like, let's go, baby. We're looking hot tonight, Tony Schiavone. Let's, let's go, Lane Stadium. It's time to rock. And I'm like, that we haven't had a player like that in so long. I mean, Sam Rogers got people hyped up, but not the way Dax Hollifield does it. And we haven't had a player that teams hate. Like, we haven't had a player that teams hate like they hate Dax Hollifield. UVA fans hate Dax Hollifield. UNC fans hate Dax Hollifield because he chose Tech over them. And I love it. I love it so much. Like, keep hating. Keep hating because he didn't pick you. Because he's a hokey baby. And we're happy to have you, Dax. Dax Hollifield. <laughs> Living legend. You saw the guy's stitches. His head was bleeding, probably from headbutting Coach Foster or something. <laughs> the man is pumping up the crowd. He's jumping up and down. His vertical is like 19 feet when he's pumping up the crowd. It's awesome. Um, and his energy radiates to the rest of the team because you see it on the sidelines. I want to give another shout-out. Two weeks in a row to JPR, also known as John Parker Romo. Does the cool thing when he does the, the hop, hop, hippity hop, energizer, bunny kickoff. I love it. But he was also pumping up the crowd just as much as Dax was on the sideline. Um, big shout out there. The energy was so electric in the stadium all afternoon and all early evening. And, um, you know, that was that was the great. I do have to say there's one thing. I got to complain about. Oh, I'm the old guy on the podcast. I got to complain about. Get off my lawn. Get off my lawn. Why in the world is the wave starting in the south end zone when it is a one score game? It it, it, it might have been the fourth quarter, it might have been the third quarter. I don't care. The wave? Are you kidding me? Come on, bro. Come you on. You have bro. got to be kidding me. Grayson, like, did you bring hey, that from L.A.? I think Grayson brought that from L.A. Uh, uh, I, I miss me. And I, okay, that's straight up disrespectful. <laughs> that is straight up. Are you Okay, I'm about to leave because that hurts. That cuts deep, Bill. All right? Even my old man. My old man, when the wave started, he was like, yeah, so this is what we're not about to do. Um, like you're you're really gonna start the wave now like get the frick out of here with that like listen we are not beating central michigan by 55 points right now (laughs) we are in an acc game on homecoming in front of 150 recruits and people are starting the wave Oh my God! Never <laughs> again! Never! 
again, do I want to see the wave break out in an ACC game, in a one-possession game, when so many things are going right? I don't know if it was the core who was trying to start it. I was just happy that it didn't get past the West Stands. Please do not do the wave in Lane Stadium. If you're listening to this, if you've made it this far, we're like an hour in. We're like an hour and a half in. I don't even know. I had to get that off my chest. This is not the World Cup. This is ACC football. It's a little different. You got to be yelling on all four downs and not worrying about standing up in your chair when the wave comes to you. And then all, you know what is awesome though? You know what is awesome? The butt suit is 3 and 0. The butt suit Barnes. is 3 and 0. Shout out Beth Barnes. <clears throat> Excuse me. The butt suit is 3 and 0. Love the pictures, Beth. Keep them coming. Love all the engagement on Twitter from everyone, but that bud suit, man, it's got some lucky, lucky, uh, lucky magic. Hashtag my homecoming queen. <laughs> my homecoming queen. Um, Love it. Anything else, Pat? You said uh, the the uh, the Quincy Patterson up the middle, reminiscent of a little Gerard Evans feels. Oh my gosh, Quincy, fifty three yards to the house at night. In all maroon, ACC game reminded me just like Gerard Evans' late game in the fourth against Miami in 2016. He was also he got your four. Big, wearing number four, your big bulky quarterback busting through the line. I don't know. I think Gerard might have been untouched too. Quincy goes untouched. He's nimble. He's quick. He does it. And same end zone too. Just uh, love the uh, the parallels there. And it was a uh, Quincy Patterson has arrived moment there. That was awesome. Awards time, fellas. This one was tough. There are a lot, a lot of guys that could have won awards here. But we made a deal. We understand. Don't want to overdo it here. So we kept it very simple. So naturally, I gave out two pride awards. Uh, I went with both defensive tackles. They were excellent. Hewitt and Pollard, respectively, Hewitt, five tackles, three TFLs, two and a half sacks, two hurries. Pollard, five tackles, two TFLs, two sacks, one hurry, and just awesome run stopping. And for the statistics that don't go on top of that, clogging up the double teams and letting Ashby make plays all day was awesome. Who wins your Pride Award, Pat? Mr. Ladler, number nine, stepping up big time. He was unbelievable in overtime when we needed him most, and he delivered. He stayed home. He didn't want to go out, and it was just picture-perfect Bud Foster defense. Give that man the lunch pail next week. Give that man 25. I don't care. He was unbelievable. Khalil Ladler Ladler gets the uh, the pride award here from from me. For me, man, it's... (laughs) I'm probably about to drive y'all crazy because I, I just keep giving it to this kid. Rook Ashby, what up, number 25? It. Deserves it. Deserve it. ACC linebacker of the week, by the way. What's up? What's up, 25? Uh, that, I, I, think, I think he has just played. He's, I think, the most consistent player on our defense. Hands down. 17 no tackles. 17, 17. tackles. And you know the reason he uh, he has seventeen tackles is uh, it's it's that may sound like a lot, but 
the kid doesn't miss. The kid doesn't miss tackles. It's easy to have a lot when you don't miss. So, I mean, he's he's out here high-fiving Brian Johnson after he misses the field goal. Team player, Rook, all you the pride of the Virginia Tech defense. Joy to Nuda and his big old noggin. You got my joy award. Way to use your face. Love it. Blocked the field goal. It was awesome. Tanuta, you win my joy award. That's awesome. Tanuta reminds me of, uh, you know, if, if Quincy is the Appalachian Mountains, Appalachian Mountains, Tanuta is the Rocky Mountains. They're both huge. Tanuta is just like, you look up at that guy, he is huge. Massive. Um, but. I'm going to give my uh, my joy award to Armani Chapman. Came in, uh, played great in relief for uh, Caleb Farley, but also uh, he ran down that punt inside the five, I think during the first quarter. Mm-hmm. And uh, actually our guy Ladler ended up downing it, but uh, Chapman had, uh, had run it down, and that was awesome. So I wanted to give him a shout for that. Grayson. Man. I I, uh, I got to holler at your boy, Pat, John Parker Romo, out here getting the crowd fired up. Uh, had a great game, but just I, I for the sole purpose of like on, on special teams, you don't you don't see special teams guys. It's not their job to get the crowd fired up, but you 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 saw John Parker Romo on and off the field, arms up. Arms up. Let's go, Hokies. Lane Stadium, get off your butts. It's time to go. So John Parker Romo gets the Joy Award for the week from Grayson. You got to say, you got a name like John Parker Romo. You got to be a legend, man. You got to be fired up. There's no John Parker Romo that's out there reading the encyclopedia when he's not kicking the ball. I mean, this dude is fired up, and his (laughs) name backs it up. And I'm all for it. Pat, give me your Foo Crew Award winner. So just a reminder for the folks at home, Fukru Award is for our offensive winner, as pride and joy are for defense and special teams. Fukru, <coughs> making his first appearance, Quincy Patterson the third, number four. The unit, the Jolly Green Giant, Hagrid, Thick Vic, whatever. I don't care. He's a beast. He runs so hard. He's got that he's got like a low center of gravity and he's like six five. I just can't get over it. He was outstanding and I cannot wait to see, you know, how we incorporate him into the game plan in the weeks to come. Here's the deal. This offensive line, every damn one of them, freshmen, sophomores, come on in there, two hundred and fifty four rushing yards. These are kids and this UNC defensive line was massive they come in playing under three different quarterbacks disciplined smart tough gritty shout out to coach vice did an awesome job coaching these pups up kyle chung is also in the building helping out big shout out to him as well kyle so he's doing a great job and these young guys man um i gotta say just uh got a chance to speak to um to austin cannon the other day and i'm just i'm so proud of that kid just he's just one of them but um i just remember a couple years ago when he was a freshman walk-on um came in the uh came in the film room uh early in the morning like seven o'clock i think i probably had an 8 a.m 
um, and uh, I walk in there to grab my backpack or something or pick up my binder, this kid's sitting there just watching film. And this is uh, the week after the Battle of Bristol. Um, he wasn't traveling at the at that point, and this kid just grinds. He works extremely hard. Not to, it made me so happy to see him out there making plays, and um, I, I'm so happy and proud for that kid, and proud of all of them. I mean, um, we are in for a really, really fun time with these kids, with all the experience that they're getting and uh, reps together. So the offensive line wins my Fruit Crew award hands down. For uh, for Grayson's food crew, man, I gotta go Johnny Damon Hazelton. Uh, I, I think that's a given. Kids save the game. Kids save the football game with that one-handed catch. That really just happened, UNC cheerleaders. <laughs> I mean, after, after kind of picking on him last week, uh, he it's it's a swear. I swear, guys, we pick on some of these kids, and then the next week they go and have like the game of their life. I mean, I don't know. Maybe, uh, maybe they're just tuning in. I don't know. Um, we, we 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 love all, all all the kids on the Virginia Tech football team. Not obviously not ever trying to diss anybody, but Johnny Damon Hazelton, uh, you, you you're the man. You uh you came back after a after a tough week against uh, against Rhode Island and uh, and and saved the game for us, man. Gotcha. All right, guys, letters from the lunch pail. Let's wrap this up. I don't know how long this has been going, but, guys, this has been a ton of fun. Um, first question from Jumpin' Jack Flash. Ryan Willis made the most important play of the game. Change my, change my mind. Here's my take on that. Um, he made a huge play. And I'm reading from UNC people and Virginia Tech people that this was the play of the game or this was the play of the game. And I'm not picking on Jumpin' Jack Flash. I'm just saying... I can't put my finger on one play that was the play of the game, especially with the game of this length. Um, there were so many peaks and so many valleys and so many, quite frankly, opportunities for Virginia Tech to roll over and quit. And um, you know, Ryan Willis was one. Pe- Ryan Willis's touchdown pass was one of the cogs in that machine that got us to the W um, that we saw. And um, I'll say it was a huge piece, but. Yeah, I don't think um, you can really put any one play on a pedestal, at least in this football game, for sure. Yeah, I could say, like, that play was awesome. Mm-hmm. That play was so great. And so was Hazleton's other touchdown, and so was Quincy's long run, and so was us stopping them on their fake punt that they did. You know, every single play in this game was the most important play because it was four corners and six overtimes. So, you know, you you got... Hundreds of plays to choose from, but I I don't know if you can make the argument that, that was the most important play, but it it certainly was very important. I said it earlier. I I, I obviously the play was detrimental to us when winning the football game. Was it the most important? Too many other factors happened, you know, with missed field goals and blocked kicks and Quincy Patterson uh, throwing a dime on fourth and three. Um, but it was a very important play. Obviously we cannot down, downplay that fact, but, uh, I, I think it falls under a category, a laundry list of extremely significant plays in this football game. Right. I will say, I, I think the most important play 
of the game was the Marching Virginians playing Stick It In. Let's go. Haunted P. Can't disagree there. Cannot disagree. Second question from Brad Bailey. We all heard that Coach Fuente was the quarterback whisperer when he arrived at Virginia Tech. So why does it appear he missed on the talent evaluation of our current quarterback situation? Here's my opinion on that. Hendon Hooker is the leader of this offense. Hendon Hooker has become leaps and bounds better over the past few uh, weeks, past few months, and honestly, over the past few days. He's been unbelievable, and the team loves him. With that being said, entering this season, Ryan Willis, we know how important in-game reps are. Ryan Willis had taken those in-game reps. It's hard to argue with experience. And also, at the end of the day, Henda did enter the transfer portal. So to be as you know, reliant on um, just trying to put an end to that, um, I think it would be a tough sell with the uh, entering the portal coupled with um, the experience that Ryan Willis had. Now, he had an obviously team loves him and came in and has been the best thing that has happened to this team since then. But I think that personally, for me, is a big reason why we rolled with Willis to begin the year. And I didn't hate the decision. I think uh, I think it was the right move, as frustrating as it was. And it's all kind of part of the uh, story of the season, if you will. Pat, go ahead. You know, Mr. Scared Money Don't Make Money, I mean, you had to roll with him week mm-hmm. one. I mean, he, he delivered for us in the clutch against Carolina last year. He delivered in the clutch against UVA. And, I mean, he was the incumbent. You know, he had game experience, and he had winning experience, and he, he had some great statistics last year. I uh, I went on the record saying that I thought he was going to throw for, you know, 4,035 touchdowns this year. Um, so you can't it's, – it's hard to just retroactively think about stuff like that, especially when, you know, practice is so much different than in-game. And, you know, I don't, I don't know who looks better in practice or not, but, you know, with Willis's experience, it's a lot easier to put him out there week one. And I'm sure, you know, he had a great uh, spring camp and a great fall camp as well. Um, so it just made sense. I think with Willis being the senior on the team and, and, and with his experience, it, it made sense. Uh, I mean, Hooker and Quincy are still super young. Pat, you said it. I mean, Hooker was in the transfer portal. Uh, we we had heard things that um, yeah, Hooker was a turnover machine, and maybe that was the case in practice, and, and that uh, Quincy Patterson ran all he did was run in high, in high school and doesn't throw the ball a lot, so he still needed to develop there, and you know, it, it probably is is a lot of what goes on in practice and what makes the most sense there, and whether or not that always translate to, translates to games. I mean, how can you ever really know unless you put that if you put Hooker in a game or if you put Quincy in a game? How are they going to handle the situation and both of them? You know, with with Willis being when when Willis was pulled, both of them have risen to the to their respective occasions. Completely agree. Here we go. Next question from Karsten. 
Karsten. Karsten the Wolf. <laughs> as much as I love Keen and his drive and ability, it was odd seeing him utilized so heavily in the running game. Was this mainly due to injuries, or do you see this change happening moving forward? I think this is. I think there were two reasons for this, and the first being obviously there was some. Uh, Keechan King did not play, so we needed uh, someone to take extra reps. We were curious. We thought it might be Taj Gary. It ended up being uh, a lot of Keen, and also um, you got a guy in Quincy Patterson who is really out there for the first time in an elongated, or is out there for the uh, first time in an elongated period of time. And Keen, being a smart player, one of the older players in the team and one of the leaders, having him in the backfield is probably a huge leg up for Patterson, knowing that Keen probably knows where everybody needs to line up, probably being aware and, and in Quincy's ear, letting him know what he sees, letting him know what's going on. So just to kind of have him next to him there um, was probably great. Um, and I think that's the reason for that. Yeah, seven carries, 25 yards. You know, he had the fumble, which was crucial. But, um, you know, he had he had played a little bit of running back in high school. Um, I liked seeing it, too. I thought it was pretty cool to have him uh, back there being a leader. Um, you know, remind me of a little little bit of Sam Rogers. I'd like to see a little bit more of, uh, of Dalton Keene uh, pounding the football. Um, obviously, ball security is very important moving forward. But uh, I'm sure he'll be able to uh, wrap that up here. I've I've never I mean as as big of of a of an athlete and as strong of an athlete as Dalton Keene has already proved himself to be, uh, I'm sure that you know a guy like him you fumble once you're gonna learn from it and you'll never see him do it again. Now granted, let me knock on wood real quick and I hope I'm, I hope I hope I hope that I'm correct there. I've I'm the biggest Dalton Keene advocate. Uh, whenever that kid touches the football, nine times out of ten, good things happen. Uh, I, I, Pat, I think you you bring up a good point. It's very uh, very similar to the way that they utilize Sam Rogers in that position, and I think he can be a, a a dangerous weapon at that position given the current situation with our running backs and McLeese not really having anybody to to help him out. Because and that's not that's not. Uh, Keyshawn King's fault. That's not Jalen Holston's fault. They're both dealing with injuries right now. Um, so we need somebody. We, we need McLeese to be the speed guy, and we need Keen to come in. We know he can do it and be the and be the bully up front. So. And now we go to Ryan Adams after that incredible game and a win and with the win streak. What do you think is a realistic expectation for the rest of the season? Also, any chance Fu runs a two quarterback system with the performances? from QP3 and Hook. Um, I mean, I'm going to be completely honest. I mean, I think we have a chance to win any ACC game with this dual-threat quarterback punch here. Um, If Hooker is healthy, this team is only going to get better um, and is only going to learn and keep adjusting and keep getting better. So I love our chances there. I'm really fired up to see us go against a team like Notre Dame on the road. That's going to be really exciting. And I also think this bye week comes at the perfect time. You're going to get a chance to have Quincy Patterson take more reps than he probably has if you added up all of his reps in his time at Virginia Tech. Get a ton of work. And um, I I fully anticipate to see him in an expanded role, whether it is a package. um, You know, again, nothing 
is more important than in-game reps, and this kid just got a ton of them, and this came, kid came through. So uh, I can definitely see him being uh, part of the offense moving forward, Pat. Yes, we have to use him. He is too much of a weapon not to have him you know, taking at least 8 to 10 carries a game. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, going back to the first part of the question, this bye week is perfect timing. Hendon can get healthy. Uh, Derisaw can get healthy. Uh, Keyshawn King can, can get healthy. All the, all the weapons that we need. But additionally, I love that ESPN predicts us as being underdogs, I think, in every single game from here on out except Georgia Tech. Bring it on. Bring it on. I'm buying my tickets to Charlotte. I don't care. I'm irrational. But, uh, I mean, I'm I'm on the wagon, man. I've been on the wagon. I think, um, I think we have a shot to win every single ACC game uh, in our path. I think it's huge that uh, the next ACC game is at home versus Wake. That is going to be a pivotal game. Uh, I think it's huge that we have Pittsburgh at home, so we don't have to go up to the House of Horrors at Heinz Field. Uh, UVA is obviously Lane Stadium North, and then I think this is the year that we finally take down Georgia Tech. Um, and then Notre Dame, honestly, uh, I say never count us out, but you never know. We we have so many more weapons on offense right now in the new system, and it's just going to be very exciting. And I think Hokie fans are going to be glued to their TVs and. Uh, it's going to be a, a show. As far as for the rest of the season is concerned, I, uh, I, I, you know, I, I do appreciate the the optimism from both of you guys. Uh, but I'm 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 going to uh, I'm going to flip the script real quick. Um, I love how things have been going. I love that we now know how much of a weapon Quincy Patterson is, and I love how much we know that Hendon Hooker is a weapon as well. Um, in terms of going forward, I don't want to, I don't want to say that, you know, this is exactly what's going to happen. I'm going to be completely honest. I, I, I will never count the Hokies out, but I do not think we're going to beat Notre Dame. Um, I, I, I just think that they are better than we are. They are. They're more talented. They're 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 bigger and they're they just they play big boy football. Do I count us out against them? No. Do I think we're going to win? At this point, I think that's aggressive. I think I think that's gutsy, and I would be more than happy to eat my words on a silver platter. So remember this. Um the Pittsburgh game worries me. Uh I, I really they, they, that team plays with a lot of heart. You never really know what you're going to get there. Um, They're good. They, 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 that game worries me. I could see us losing to Pittsburgh, and I would not be the least bit surprised if it happened. As far as Georgia Tech is concerned, with them not, with them not running the triple offense. The triple um, offense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well, with them not running the triple offense and Paul Johnson being being gone. I think that this is finally the year that Fuente gets his win over Georgia Tech. I'd like to beat him like a drum for all the for, for the past three, four years or whatever. Um, UVA, I'll never call. I've, I've said that once, and I'll never ever ever call that game. 
um, other than the fact that, you know, we got 15 years. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, but yeah, so in terms of uh, a, a, the two-headed monster, like Tyrod Taylor, Sean Glennon thing, is Fuente going to do that? Maybe. I mean, I, I can see it happening a lot more. You're going you're gonna to see two and four coming off the field and, and swapping places uh, more than you think that you will, if that answers your question, Mr. Adams. Last question here. I'll field this one really quickly. Uh, Robert Irby, do you think we'll see more Hezekiah Grimsley in the offense like the beginning of the year, or is he only going to be returning punts? I think it was situational this past week. Yesterday we ran a, a uh, like for the most part we basically were in three tight end sets for most of the game, um, especially when Hendon went down. By the nature of that, Hezzy's going to see a significant amount of less snaps. Now, for you big time hooky fans, this was exciting. I mean, it's the first time that we've truly been running a three tight end set since the Malik, Calvin Klein, Bucky Hodges uh, threesome there. And just you know, thinking back on it, wow. It's crazy that that those, those three studs were on the same team. Um, probably should have scored some more points. Um, but um, yeah, it was uh, it was that that was probably what was the reason why. And um, Cleese also saw his role diminished, even though he was having a great game. Just it's kind of the nature of here's the situation we're in. Here's where we need to run. And you know that's what I kind of love about this team. They don't give a damn who's taking the snaps. They just want to go out there, compete, and win football games. And I think that's a huge testament to them, again, buying into this coaching staff, buying into this system, and buying into one each uh, one another. Do you guys have anything else to add on top of that? I think you nailed it. I mean, Bill, I think you said it all there, man. Gotcha. One last shout-out here. Um, I got to shout-out the uh, Fox Sports South. They were incredible. Yes. I don't know if, if you guys went back and watched – the hokey tapes on it but it was it was awesome it was a really good job tom wormy james bates abby labar they were all excellent the camera work was great the final touchdown call was electric absolutely awesome and uh the unc kids played great honestly sam howell was great the running back for unc was great daz was awesome um somebody had to lose that football game and those kids on both sides played extremely hard it's gonna be tough for unc next week they got duke coming off of a six overtime i mean just just grudge match um so shouts out to those guys you guys have any shout outs yeah shout out mac brown know him and coach beamer are, are boys you know uh gotta give credit that's a great football team that we just beat that's my uh, that's my beamer impersonation um <laughs> no, it was just it was just the best day i mean you had four quarters six overtimes three different quarterbacks scoring touchdowns and a partridge in a pear tree it was it was christmas in october it was amazing yeah man like honestly uh for for the listeners at home um i've been looking forward i've been looking forward to this for for the homecoming weekend for geez the past two months ever since i booked my ticket Coming from Los Angeles was was a true blessing. Uh, it was a fantastic, fantastic birthday. Um, after after the game, I mean, icing on the cake was we won the game. But after man, the, the sons of Saturday came over to my family's place in uh, in Blacksburg, and I had some friends come over too. Besides Pat and Bill, 
Shout out Courtney Adams. Shout out Logan Ross. Shout out Riley Wine. Shout out Carl Stockdale, Cam Mangin, Cole DeLucas, Emily Smith, Evan Hughes, my little brother Hampton. You were all there. Shout out to my mom for making such an awesome spread. Karsten. Yep. Shout out Karsten DeWolf. Cannot forget him. He's the man. He stayed with me all weekend. Was uh, was such an awesome guest. Love love Carsey Crab. Um, guys, it was just. It was fantastic, man. Like, like really just, I, I had an absolute blast. And if I could do it again, uh, I would do it again 5,000 times over. So, uh, so it was, it was great to be back in Blacksburg. I got to shout out, um, the, uh, the group chat of the former has-beens ball down more down the field down more. Jack click, Colt Pettit, Trent Young, CJ Carroll, and Mike Santa Maria. Love talking football with you guys. It was a blast. Um, and a, a quick nugget for you here. Um, last year, uh, we have tied and surpassed our sack total um, as a defense, which is awesome. That's unbelievable. Great job. 25 Boston. sacks. Turning it up there. <laughs> uh, and also, Mac Brown was 37-1 and coming out of a bye week and going for a win to make him the most winningest coach in UNC football history. He is now 37-2 and two and is still not the most winningest head coach in UNC history. That's going to have to wait for another week. Fellas, this was a blast. Um, we were going to talk about our time in Blacksburg, but this has been a marathon podcast. We'll save that for next week. Um, Sons of Saturday have had a great time. It was great seeing all the Hokies out there. It was great all the Hokie love. We're having so much fun doing this. Keep the suggestions coming. Keep the topics coming. Keep the questions coming. We love you guys. Take care and enjoy the bye week.